say the beginning part of the passage. Um, by the way, if you're using the outline, obviously we're not doing Joseph. Uh, Pastor Ryan will do that, I presume, when he returns. Um, let's read the first uh, eight verses here. What, what we have, let me just set it up. What we have at the beginning of the book of Colossians is a, a prayer report. Uh, Paul is reporting to the believers in this town of Colossae. Um, that's where we get the name Colossians. It's a, it's a town, uh, Colossae, and where believers dwell, where Christians dwell. And he's writing to the church that meets there in Colossae. And in the first uh, several verses, he gives a prayer report. He's talking about what he prays for the Colossians. Um, in the first instance, in verses 3 through 8, he's talking about, uh, he, he reports why he gives thanks for the Colossians, why he's grateful to the Lord for the Colossians. And then in verses 9 uh, and following, he reports on what he prays for the Colossians, some of the things that he prays for them. So let's look at, um, um, well, let, let's go to the Lord in prayer, shall we? Father, thank you much for your word. And we ask that you would minister to us. This isn't uh, what, um, is, by your design, this is what we're talking about today. So uh, we ask, Lord, that you would uh, minister. I ask that you would minister and through me that your Holy Spirit would minister to each one of us. Uh, you know the needs that are represented here today, and we pray that you would meet needs according to your glorious riches in Christ Jesus. We also ask for the, con- the continued healing for our senior pastor. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Colossians chapter 1, verse 1. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by God's will and Timothy, our brother, to the saints in Christ at Colossae who are faithful brothers, grace to you and peace from God our Father. We always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you. For we have heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of the love you have for all the saints because of the hope reserved for you in heaven. You have already heard about this hope in the message of truth, the gospel that has come to you. It is bearing fruit and growing all over the world, just as it has among you since the day you heard it and recognized God's grace in the truth. You learn this from Epaphras, our dearly loved fellow slave. He is a faithful servant of the Messiah on your behalf, and he has told us about your love in the Spirit. So let's just begin at the beginning. Verse 1, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by God's will, and Timothy, our brother. Paul is an apostle. He's a messenger. Uh, means uh, Apostle means sent one. He's been sent by Jesus Christ. He did not choose this assignment. Um, this was not an assignment that he chose. It was, it was forced upon him, in a sense, um, though he willingly took it on when he recognized the grace of Jesus Christ to him. And some of you recall the story of how Paul was persecuting the church. As a zealous Jew, he was persecuting the church of Jesus Christ until Jesus Christ got a hold of him or got his attention in a vision on the road to Damascus and it was revealed to him who Jesus was and he said he had a mission for Paul and Paul then willingly accepted that mission but it was not something that he chose himself it was something that he was appointed to do verse 2 to the saints in Christ at Colossae who are faithful brothers grace to you and peace from uh, God our Father to the saints and faithful brothers, that word saints, um, he's referring to the Colossian believers here as saints. That word saints means holy. They have been set apart unto God. They have been set apart unto Jesus Christ. Um, they had been part of a larger group, the world, and they have been taken out of the world, if you will, 
and uh, have been chosen out of that group and chosen and set apart for Jesus Christ. They are now part of this group called the church. Uh, that word saints uh, in our in our culture, uh, largely due to the influence of the Catholic Church, the idea of saints is uh, cer- a certain class of Christians who have... Uh, who um, have done uh, great and marvelous deeds or whatever, and they've been canonized by the church. But that's not the biblical teaching of saints. The truth is that every believer in Jesus Christ who has been born again is a saint. It refers not so much to character as it does to status. You are someone in whom Jesus Christ is working. And, of course, we are to work with the Holy Spirit and to be growing, but all of us are saints um, in the eyes of Jesus Christ, if you are a believer in Christ, and he is working to transform you to become more and more um, like Christ. And then it says that the brothers were also faithful. They were faithful. This doesn't mean that they were perfect, um, because they weren't. But they were steadfast. These believers in Jesus Christ in Colossae were steadfast to Christ under pressure. They continued to follow him and to cling to him in faith, whatever the world would throw at them. And verse 2 says then to the saints uh, and faithful brothers in Christ, at, they were in Christ at Colossae. Christians have a dual citizenship. We have a dual citizenship, if you will. We are in the world, but we are not of the world, according to Jesus. Uh, these believers, these particular believers were in Colossae. They were residents in Colossae, but they were also in Jesus Christ. Even so, if you are a believer, you have an earthly citizenship. You are citizens of the United States of America. But Philippians 3.20 says that your citizenship is also in heaven. So that we have an allegiance, an ultimate allegiance to Jesus Christ in heaven. Um, when, uh, when, the, when Peter and uh, the other apostles were arrested for preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ, uh, Peter and the other apostles replied to their accusers, We must obey God rather than men. And so when there is a conflict between one's allegiance to one's earthly citizenship and one's allegiance to one's heavenly citizenship, we always have to follow as believers what the Lord Jesus says. But to the extent that the two allegiances don't conflict, then we also have an allegiance to that citizenship, uh, that earthly citizenship that we have as well. And to be a good citizen of the United States of America includes being a good citizenship, a good citizen in terms of the kingdom of heaven. Uh, in fact, I, I think the best citizens in, uh, of earthly kingdoms are those who have an allegiance to the kingdom of heaven because they are the ones, hopefully, who are praying for their country, who are seeing to do, seeking to do what is best for their country in the way they live, in the way they conduct themselves in their homes, in their businesses, in their neighborhoods, and then in praying for their country as well. Are you in Jesus Christ? These brothers in, in, in Colossae were in Christ to the saints in Christ. Are you in Jesus Christ? Have you been born again? Have you put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ? To be in Christ means that your identity is in him. That means that you are in fellowship and communion and relationship with Jesus Christ. And that you take your orders from him. And that you guide your life by his will as revealed in the scriptures. And that you are part of his family and that you share in his inheritance. 
Verse 3, we always thank God. Here begins the prayer report. We always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you. We always thank God. Whenever we think about you, we always thank God for you. Um, thankfulness. Thankfulness. Paul is a thankful person. Um, and he's thinking about these people, and these are people that he is, he is grateful for. for. Now, these are people, incidentally, in Colossae, Paul had not met these particular believers. In fact, Epaphras was a convert of Paul, and Epaphras went to the town of Colossae, and he started sharing the gospel. And so uh, all these people were, were converts, if you will, of Epaphras. So Paul is writing to a people that he has never met. But the reports that he hears back from the ch- church uh, makes him grateful for who they are. Um, And I wonder, are there people in your life that you're grateful to God for, that you're thankful for? And I suspect there are. There are people in your life that you're thankful for. My next question is, do you thank God for them? I mean, in your prayers, do you thank God for the people that he has put into your life? Some of the best gifts that God gives to us are the people that he has put into our lives. Um, And then in the next few verses, he begins to tell us, Paul tells us why he thanks God for these believers, verses four and five, we pray for, we're thankful for you, verse four, for we have heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of the love you have for all the saints because of the hope reserved for you in heaven. Um, so he's thankful. Why? Because of their faith, because of their love, because of their hope. He's thankful to the Colossians because of their faith, because of their love and their hope. And he's thankful for their faith in Christ Jesus. Um, and he's thankful for the love that they have for all the saints. It's interesting that they, he specifically mentions the love you have for all the saints. As I read the Bible, um, more and more it's impressed upon me. Of course, believers are to love everyone. We're to love everyone. Love your neighbor as yourself. Love your enemies. But it's impressed upon me that over and over again, it's especially important that believers love one another. Christians are to be characterized by their love for other Christians, by their love, uh, by, by their love for the people they go to church with, if you will. Um, Galatians chapter six, verses nine and ten. Let me just read that to you real quick. So we must not get tired of doing good, for we will reap at the proper time if we don't give up. Therefore, as we have opportunity, we must work for the good of all. We must work for the good of all, especially for those who belong to the household of faith. Um, and all throughout, all throughout the New Testament, there's this a special emphasis put on the fact that we are to love one another as believers. You know, Jesus said, by this all men will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. Yeah, he's talking to his disciples. And that... That carries over to us, his disciples, as well. We are especially to love one another. And then he talks about their hope. He's thankful for their hope um, that is reserved for you in heaven. Uh, The reality of of Christians is that we have a sure hope. Uh, We have a sure hope. It's laid for us up in heaven. We have an inheritance that is... Uh, that is ours. It cannot, it cannot be diminished. It cannot be stolen. Uh, it cannot be tarnished. It doesn't rust. It never fades away. Uh, you can look at Matthew chapter 6, 1 Peter chapter 1 talks about those realities, the fact that we have an inheritance that is waiting for us, the, the glory that we will share with Jesus Christ. In other words, we will not be lacking for anything 
um, in the age to come as believers. Paul then next, next talks about the gospel in verses 5 and 6. Um, because of the hope reserved for you in heaven, verse 5, you have, you have already heard about this hope in the message of truth, the gospel that has come to you. It is bearing fruit and growing all over the world, just as it has among you since the day you heard it and recognized God's grace in its truth. So what is this, what is this, what do these two verses tell us about the gospel? First of all, it tells us that it is the message of truth. The gospel is the message of truth. It's the word of truth. It tells us the truth about God. It tells us the truth about ourselves. It tells us the truth about the fact that we are sinners, that we as a race rebelled against a holy God, and that God is just and right in bringing his wrath to bear upon sin. But we also, it also tells us the truth about God's love and mercy for us. Um, that he had mercy upon us, um, that he loved us so much that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. Um, it tells us the truth about how we should live in this world. It tells us the truth about how we should live as citizens of heaven as well as citizens of this world. So it's the message of truth. And it all, Paul also tells us that it is bearing fruit and growing. The gospel is bearing fruit and growing. Um, in other words, people come to Jesus Christ. People come to salvation. Uh, the gospel is powerful. Romans chapter 1 says the gospel is like dynamite. Uh, the Greek word is dunamis, so we, from which we get our word dynamite. The, the gospel is like dynamite in people's lives. Um, and it can bring radical change in the lives of people. Um, and it's powerful to change lives. Uh, it's powerful to transform lives. And it's bearing fruit and it's growing all over the world. Uh, verse 6 says, it's uh, bearing fruit and growing all over the whole world. In other words, the gospel crosses boundaries. The gospel is not just for some particular country. It's not just for some particular ethnicity, some particular people group. I get frustrated with the charge that uh, Christianity is a white man's religion. It's not, it's not a white man's. It didn't even start with white men. <laughs> Well, it didn't start in North America. You know, the gospel started in Asia. It started in Israel. Um, the gospel is for everyone. Jesus, cried, uh, Jesus Christ died for everyone. Um, it is not uh, just an American religion. <laughs> uh, Americans are kind of the Johnny-come-latelys, in a sense, when it comes to the gospel. Um, the gospel crosses all boundaries, and therefore there is no room for Prejudice. There is no room for racism in the gospel. Um, I have brothers and sisters in Christ all around the world. I've had, you know, when I've been to China, I've had the privilege of meeting some of my brothers and sisters in Christ, people who love Jesus. And uh, it's a wonderful thing. And uh, we were in David and Paula's home uh, uh, several years ago, and we celebrated a birthday party for uh, someone from the Con... Oh, yeah, it was for Musa. Right, and you had people from the Congo there. Was it the Congo too? I don't remember. There were some other Africans there, and I don't remember what country they were from, but they were believers in Christ and what fellowship we had at that time. Um, you know, there's no, there's no room for uh, prejudice or racism in the body of Christ. We are all redeemed by the blood of the Lamb of Jesus Christ. And then we're told that the, the gospel teaches and enlightens here. Um, you heard it, uh, verse 6 says, um, the gospel that has come to you, 
just as you heard it and recognize God's grace in the truth. Uh, so the gospel teaches and, and brings um, enlightenment. So who are you as a believer in Jesus Christ? What, what is your situation? Um, you could probably answer that from more than one perspective. You could answer it from a physical perspective. You could answer it from a historical perspective or from a geographical perspective. But from, from heaven's point of view, uh, you are a person of faith. You are a person who is growing in love. You are a person of hope. You heard the gospel and it taught you of the grace of God and the hope that is stored up for you in heaven. You are holy. You are holy. You are holy in terms of your status. You are set apart for Christ. And now, as a believer, you are being transformed as you conform to the, to the will of God so that your actual conduct and character is being brought up to the position of where you are as a believer in Christ. You are holy in terms of your status, and you are becoming even more and more godly and holy in terms of your character. You are transformed. You are an encouragement to others. If you have faith in Jesus Christ, you're an encouragement to others. Paul says, I thank God for you. I thank God for you. It's interesting to me that uh, Paul, this mighty man of faith that we read about in the New Testament, he's encouraged by young converts and young believers um, when he sees their faith um, and their hope and their love. And you're a witness to others uh, and where to increasingly become so. So I don't know how you see yourself from a physical, earthly perspective, but I can tell you that from a heavenly perspective, if you are in Christ, the best is yet to come. The best is yet to come. 2 Corinthians four sixteen and 17. Therefore, we do not lose heart, though outwardly we are wasting away. Though outwardly we are wasting away. As I get older, I feel like I'm wasting away. Well, in some ways. In other ways, I don't feel like I'm... Anyway. <laughs> but... Uh, Outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So as believers in Christ, our future is incredibly bright. It's, inc- it's incredibly bright. Um, we have an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. He goes on then in verses 9 through 14, and he talks about what he prays for the believers. So this is what he's thankful for in 3 through 8. In verses 9 through 14, he talks about what he, what he prays for. He says, For this reason also, since the day we heard this, we haven't stopped praying for you. Okay, they, these are wonderful believers. Okay, he's thankful for them. He's grateful for them. And he gives thanks to God for them. But at the same time, he doesn't stop praying for them. Because they need prayer. They need to co- keep going on they need to keep they need to keep growing there's always room for improvement we haven't stopped praying for you we are asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will and all wisdom and spiritual understanding so he continues to pray for them he prays for their their knowledge for their 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 growth and understanding you know the blessing of having people pray for you um, and you can bless other people by praying for them as well do you pray for others um, you know, missionaries often, when they're here, they often ask for two, two kinds of support, don't they? They, they? they ask for financial support and they ask for prayer support. They ask for financial support and prayer support. Many years ago, there was a young missionary uh, named Raymond, Raymond Edmund. Um, and he was, uh, he was very ill. He was in Ecuador, in the jungles of Ecuador. He was very ill. 
And his physician there, his doctor there, predicted that he would be dead by the morning. In the morning, he would be dead by the morning. At that same time, a friend of his, who was also a doctor, Doctor Joseph Evans, was in a prayer meeting back in in Boston, Massachusetts, and he suddenly felt in his spirit that his friend in Ecuador, Raymond Edmond, needed prayer. And so he he interrupted the prayer meeting to ask that they specifically target his friend in prayer. Uh, and so the group began to pray in earnest for this missionary in Ecuador. Um, and a little bit later then, uh, Edmund's friend in that prayer meeting shouted out, Praise the Lord, the victory is won. So he felt in his spirit that his his friend was in trouble, and then he felt in his spirit a little bit later that the victory had been won. And in fact, it had been. Edmund recovered, and he went on to minister for 40 years, and then he uh, returned to the United States and served as a college at, uh, as a president of Wheaton College. Um, prayer is powerful. Prayer is f- powerful. Are you praying for other people? Are you praying for your children? Are you praying for your grandchildren? Do you pray for your spouse? Do you pray for your spouse for their for their growth in Jesus Christ? And again, if you're blessed with a godly spouse. These were godly people too, and yet Paul kept praying for their growth. Um, do you pray? We're to love one another. Are you praying for one another? And the kinds of things that Paul prays for here uh, cha- may challenge you a little bit in terms of how you pray for others. Um, we often pray for um, broken bones and illnesses and so forth, and it's not inappropriate to pray for those things. I think that's part of the Lord's Prayer, when he says, give us today our daily bread, that's praying for illness or uh, job circumstances or uh, financial difficulties and so forth. But the th- kinds of things that uh, those things are OK, but the kind of thing that Paul focuses on here um, has to do with spiritual growth It has to sp- do with spiritual growth. We are asking verse middle verse nine. We are asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding so that you may walk worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him. Okay. Are those, those are some things that you can start praying for your family, your friends, your, your church family, your neighbors and so forth. These are the kinds of things I pray for my kids, for instance, that they will be filled with the full understanding of God's will so that they may please him in every respect. These are the kinds of things that I pray for the youth. Um, and these are the kinds of things that I pray for you too when I work when I'm working through my prayer sheet. That you guys would grow that you would grow in your understanding of God's will for your life. And a lot of that understanding of course comes through the scriptures. So that you may be pleasing to the Lord in the way you live your life. We're going to wrap up here pretty quick, but I just want to walk through the passage just briefly to show you what a life pleasing to the Lord is. Okay, so he says, I I pray that you will be filled with all spiritual wisdom and understanding so that you may be pleasing to the Lord. And then he describes in four phrases what a life pleasing to the Lord is. And, And this is just a sample list, if you will. He could probably marshal some other things, but but these are the things he's looking for. Um, so that you may walk worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him. First of all, bearing fruit in every good work. So I pray, I pray for instance for my family that they would be, they would please the Lord, that they would bear fruit in every good work. They would bear fruit in every good work. Fruitfulness as a Christian should be a byproduct of our faith. Um, 
Ephesians 2.10, for we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works. For good works, which God prepared before us, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. So a godly Christian life involves bearing fruit. And then he goes on and says, um, bearing fruit in every good work and growing in the knowledge of God. We're to be growing in the knowledge of God. That is, a, that is a lifestyle that is pleasing to the Lord, that we are growing in our knowledge of God. You know, it's one thing to know about a person, and it's another thing to know a person, right? I know about, for instance, I know about President Trump. I know some things about him, but I don't know him. I'm not in a you know, I've never met him. With God, it, we're not just to know about him. We're to be in a relationship with him, growing in our knowledge of him. Kind of like you grow in your knowledge. You're to be in a relationship with him like you're in a relationship with your spouse or your kids or your nieces or your nephews or your parents or whatever. That's the way we're to be with God. We're to be growing in our relationship with him as we spend time in the word and in church and in prayer. Verse 11 And then may you be strengthened with all power according to his glorious might for all endurance and patience. So living a life that is pleasing to the Lord involves being strengthened by the Holy Spirit. Being strengthened by the Holy Spirit. And you do, and how are you strengthened by the Holy Spirit? By putting, by putting yourself in a position where the Holy Spirit can minister to you. By being in the Word, being in church, being in prayer, being in fellowship with other believers and so forth, by living in obedience to the Scriptures, so that you can be strengthened in order to endure and be patient when difficulties come your way. And then finally, uh, verse 12, giving thanks to the Father. Uh, so another, another aspect of living life that is pleasing to the Lord is being grateful, giving thanks. Not just being grateful, but actually giving thanks. Being, expressing that gratitude, um, expressing that gratitude to the Lord. Yeah, I think we're gonna stop there. Um, but that's a, that's a, you know, that's, that's, that's Paul's prayer report. And that's and there's an example there for us. There's an example there for us in our own prayers that we are to be grateful and thankful to the Lord for the people that he has put into our lives. Grateful for the power of the gospel. We should be praying for one another, praying for one another, especially for spiritual concerns, that we would be strong in our faith, that we would be strong and living a life that is pleasing to the Lord. Again, praying for illness, praying for uh, financial concerns, uh, praying for... You know, temporal matters, not a bad thing. It's a good thing. But uh, especially be praying that people come to faith in Jesus Christ and that your brothers and sisters in the Lord are being strengthened in the faith and that your family uh, will come to the Lord or will continue to grow in their faith in the Lord. Samuel Chadwick, I have no idea who he is, but he said this, and I think it's really good. The one concern of the devil... The one concern of the devil is to keep Christians from praying. He fears nothing from prayerless studies, prayerless work, prayerless religion. Fine. Study, work, go about your religion. As long as you don't pray, he's fine with that. He laughs at our toil. The devil mocks at our wisdom, but he trembles when we pray. He knows that prayer is powerful. So I hope and pray that you increase you are becoming increasingly more and more 
in prayer to the Lord. Let's pray now. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you for the gift of prayer. We thank you for your scriptures. And I I do pray, Lord, that you would help each one of us to um, become more and more a people of prayer, that it would be true of each one uh, in this room that they could be accurately described as a prayer warrior. Um, We thank you for that gift. I pray for your blessing upon each one here, Father. I pray that uh, you would give to them all spiritual wisdom and understanding uh, so that they might live a life that is pleasing to you, that they might bear fruit in every good work, that they might grow in the knowledge of God, that they might be strengthened with all power according to your glorious might for the purposes of endurance and patience, and that they might be people who are joyfully giving thanks to God the Father through you. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.